0: Welcome to the Liquid Church Podcast, a place where you can hear the timeless truth of God's Word in a way that's culturally relevant and cutting edge. Today you're tuning in for our 2021 Christmas Eve message. We hope you enjoy this special service that celebrates the wondrous moment when God entered our world. It's our hope this message will help you discover how God's story relates to your own and that you will leave feeling encouraged. Thanks for joining us today and enjoy the message.
1: Every year at this time, we jump into the middle of a story that's been told for hundreds of years. It's a story of cities decorating their streets and their sidewalks. It's a story of trees and ornaments and fireplaces, of gifts and wrapping paper and ribbons. There's expectation and wonder and hope, a deep hope that drives us back to the beginning of the story because it all starts here. It starts in a manger with a baby and an angel and a scared teenaged girl in love with a misunderstood young man who thinks she's worth it. It's about a child who will bring light into darkness, joy into despair, revealing a God who will redeem it all. A God who is leaving the glory of heaven to pursue the glory of a cross. A God who is becoming flesh and blood and skin. A God who is loving and offering all people a pathway back into the relationship for which they were created. It's too rich to comprehend and too beautiful to dismiss. This is Christmas. This is the story of stories. And it all starts here.
2: Well, Merry Christmas, Liquid Church. Great to see you guys. I'm Pastor Tim. Hey, let's give a big Christmas welcome to all our live locations, Church Online. Happy Christmas Eve. So glad you could join our celebration with family and friends. And it all starts right here. You just saw a great video of a Beautiful nativity scene. Show of hands, how many of you live in a town that still puts up a nativity uh, somewhere, maybe in the center town or the municipal building? Show of hands. Do you do that in your town? Put up a nativity? I know that's controversial in some places, you know, put up a nativity or not. In fact, it's actually kind of sad. Maybe you heard this. There is actually no nativity scene in Washington, D.C. this year. Did you hear that? The Supreme Court ruled there could be no nativity scene in our nation's capital. Yeah, I know. It's sad. But it's actually not what you think. It's, it's not for religious reasons. Apparently... They looked all over Washington and couldn't find three wise men or a virgin. So, you know, just (laughs) I just want to see if you're awake. Hey, I I like the nativity scene where we live. It's kind of rustic and old fashioned. You can see it here on the screen. They use real straw actually in the manger. And you see the cast of characters, of course, Mary, Joseph, baby Jesus in the middle there, shepherds on the left. And don't forget the, the guys on the right who ride the camels. You know who those three guys are? The three... Wise men, yeah, this December we've been exploring the meaning of Christmas through the perspective of the three wise men and the gifts that they present to Jesus on that first Christmas. And uh, a couple of weeks ago a guy came up to me after the service and said, Pastor Tim, who were these three wise men really? Like, and, and what made them, you know, so wise? Like, like, what did they know that we don't? And so today we're going to read the Christmas story together from Matthew chapter 2 to discover what wise men, and I would add what wise women know. Uh, Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. It's called a gospel. That just means it's an eyewitness account written around 80 or 90 AD after Jesus' death. And here's what Matthew writes. He says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi, everyone say Magi, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his what? We saw his Star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now, it may surprise you to learn this is the only mention of the Magi or wise men in the entire Bible. It's not in any of the other Gospels, and it raises a lot of questions. Like, well, you know, where did these guys from the east come from? Uh, how many of them were there? There were three, right? How many of you know there were three? Actually, if you've been with us, you know, we don't know how many, okay? It may have been a dozen. Matthew never says. And, and what is this weird star they saw? Where did it come from? How did it guide them to Bethlehem on Christmas Eve? So there's a lot of mystery surrounding the wise men. And over the centuries, uh, a lot of legends have grown up. In the Middle Ages, take a look at this. They were given names, Caspar, Melchior, and Balthazar. They were venerated actually as saints. And, And I did a little research. I was kind of stunned by the huge amount of art that they have inspired in the Western world. Not just paintings, but all kinds of art. Let me show you a mosaic. This is from a sixth century basilica in Italy. And you can see them following the star in the upper right corner. Now, take a look at the first guy. He's wearing like leopard yoga pants, okay? I was like, this guy must be from New Jersey, okay? He's like got a little Lululemon action going on there. Here are the magi carved into marble. This is a fourth century tomb in Rome. Take a look at it. You see the the star above Mary and child, three wise men with their, well, they look like tauntauns. I don't know if they're camels or not, but... There's a famous painting, let me show you, from, uh, it's called Adoration of the Magi, 1423. Gold leaf painting from the Renaissance. You can see the wise men, they're actually kissing the feet of baby Jesus. And then here's a Gothic tapestry, a tapestry that was woven out of thread in Oxford, England, commissioned in the 1800s. And uh, you get get the idea, these, these wise men have inspired Christian artists down through the ages. But On Christmas Eve, I just want to ask, like, who were they according to Scripture, not legend? And and what do we learn from their story here in Matthew 2? Because I I think maybe some details of the real Christmas story will surprise you. Uh, First notice, the Bible calls the wise men magi from the, where? From the east. Now, that term magi is a Persian term. It's where we get our English word magician. But understand, this isn't like David Blaine, okay? This isn't like magician like David Copperfield. These guys didn't do card tricks. They didn't read minds. That term magi refers to a special class of priests in ancient Persia. And scholars say they were professional astronomers who actually studied the stars. The Bible says they came from the east, and that meant most likely modern-day Iraq. And they were highly educated scholars, trained in the sciences, medicine, history, Religion and astronomy so they looked up and they knew the stars better than than the back of their hands as Astronomers they had mapped out the planets the comets They believed that that the great God of the universe diagrammed the grand workings of history in the stars And so they would study the skies to find answers to the great questions of life like like why are we here? Who created us? Where is all of history leading to so understand these were thoughtful educated men philosophy professors who were deeply spiritual But what caused them to travel so far from home? The distance between uh, Persia and Jerusalem, is about a thousand miles and there was no Uber that first Christmas. So that meant you had to get into your uh, four-wheel drive camel and drop it into fifth, you know? And so you'll see in religious art all the time, three kings riding camels because that kind of how they rolled. That was the original lift, okay, in the first century. And uh, even though Matthew never actually mentions camels, we know they traveled hundreds, maybe a thousand miles. Most likely had a pretty elaborate entourage. Again, it might have been a dozen of them bringing up the rear with servants and food. And they probably pulled up in a camel caravan to Bethlehem. And what was their mission? And they're like, hey, man, we are here to see a king. <laughs> According to their studies, they knew a new king had been born, but they didn't know his name. They didn't know where he was. And so they asked for help in verse 2. It says, they ask, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we traveled all this way to worship him. Now, what exactly was the star and, that they saw, and how they know it was Jesus' star? Remember, the magi were students of the sky. They knew astronomy. And in the ancient East, it was common to connect the birth of a great ruler or a king with strange phenomena in the heavens. Here's something interesting. The Greek word for star is aster. It's where we get our word aster asteroid. In other words, it's a very bright object and scholars say it could have been a meteor or a comet. Some actually speculate that it was Halley's comet. Did you know that? But the earliest appearance of Halley's comet is 11 BC, so it's actually too early for the birth of Christ. Some say it could have been a supernova. A supernova is like an exploding star that fills the sky with this blinding flash of light. It's very rare, and there's actually no records of any of that in the years surrounding Jesus' birth. The most common theory is that it was a conjunction of planets. According to history, between 5 and 7 B.C., Jupiter, Mars, and Saturn all came together in a a very rare way that occurs every 125 years. And that could explain why the Magi saw the star, but the rest of the people of Israel didn't. Finally, others just say, hey man, this this is a spiritual book, the Bible, and this is simply a supernatural light that was placed by God in the sky for the Magi to see. It's kind of like in the Old Testament when he led Israel by a pillar of fire in the wilderness. Follow the pillar, follow the star. Regardless of its origins, like we sing, star of wonder, star of light, it was extraordinary. And kids, pay attention, because this is where we get the tradition of placing a star on top of your Christmas tree. Did you know that? That's why we put a star up there, to lead us to the true gift of Christmas, the baby Jesus. Jesus. Now, who's afraid of a little baby? Certainly not these three kings, but there's a fourth king in the story. In fact, there's five kings in this story. King Herod is a whole different story. Verse 3 says this. When King Herod heard this news about Jesus, he was what? What's the word, church? Say it together. Disturbed. Anybody got uh, some family members who are disturbed, okay, at Christmas? All Jerusalem with them, man. King Herod was one of the most ruthless rulers in history, He made people call him Herod the Great, okay? But understand, Herod was great the way that you'd say Hitler was great. In other words, he was infamous. He was a maniac who was feared by his people. And Herod saw threats to his throne everywhere he looked. In fact, he was so paranoid that Herod actually, check this out, he killed his first wife, his second wife, and his third wife. He killed two of his sons by strangling them all to death. In fact, it was it was often said better to be one of Herod's dogs than one of his kids. So imagine what happened when these magi roll up the camels. They say, "Hey, we hear Herod that a new king of the Jews has been born." It says, "When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him." And that word "disturbed" uh, in the Greek actually means to shake, like violently. So Herod's all shook up. (laughs) Literally, he's like and he turns to his scribes for advice. It says this in verse 4, when he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah, this new Savior, was to be born. Now, what's cool about this is these Jewish scribes didn't have to look it up. They knew their Bibles. They knew the answer. They put their finger there in Matthew and they went back to Micah. They said, in Bethlehem in Judea, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will, what, shepherd my people Israel. See, 700 years before, the Hebrew prophet Micah predicted the Messiah's birth in Bethlehem. A mighty king will rise. And even little kids, they would learn it in Sabbath school when they were six years old. They'd memorize that verse. But Herod, Herod didn't know it, man. Herod couldn't even imagine. Herod's like, A king? A king born in a a stable? No, 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 man. Kings are born in in castles. Kings are born not in caves, man, and certainly not in some backwater town in Bethlehem, five miles south of Jerusalem, right? It sent a message. This child's going to be a different kind of king. Verse 7 says, Then Herod called the Magi secretly. Guys, come here. I want to talk to you. And he found out from them the exact time that the star had appeared. When when did you see this? He sent them to Bethlehem and he said, okay, here's what I want you to do. Go. You search carefully for that child. And as soon as you find him, report him to me so that I may go and worship him. Suddenly I'm using my Darth Vader voice. It's just kind of natural because you kind of know what Herod's thinking. He's thinking, I'll bring this kid a gift. How about a long, shiny, sharp one? Okay. There's a murderous motive hidden in Herod's heart. He's an insecure, jealous, toxic man. He doesn't want any rivals threaten his throne. And sure enough, here's what it says in verse 16. When Herod realized that he'd been outwitted by the Magi, he was, what's the word? Furious, muy furioso. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem in its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Now this is tough, guys. This is where the Christmas story gets PG-13, right? Like It's like, whoa, Merry Christmas. This is Herod's known as the Slaughter of the Innocents. And it's a tragedy that's been memorialized in Western art. I showed you this picture, you may not have seen it before, but take a close look, that's Herod on his throne. He's giving the edict and what's happening to all the children? They're being beaten, bashed, dashed, clubbed to death in that ancient carving. All that occurred after the wise men left because they were later warned in a dream what Herod was plotting and they never returned. So do you see what's going on here? All of a sudden, it's interesting. There's, there's one king, two kings, three kings. No, wait, four kings. Wait, there's five kings in this story. You have the insecure, jealous King Herod. You have three kings or more coming from the east, all converging to see this newborn king in his cradle. And Matthew says, after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And this is where most of us assume, ah, the nativity scene. This, This is where we see the manger where Jesus was born. But did you know, look at your Bible, the Magi very likely never made it to the stable. How do we know? Verse 11 says this, on coming to the, what's it say, church? The house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary. In other words, on Christmas Eve, yes, Jesus was born in a manger. That was a feeding trough for farm animals. There wasn't even room in the house. And the Bible says shepherds were present. But notice, the wise men arrive at the house sometime later. How much later? Reality is, we don't know. It may have been a few weeks or months. Some scholars say it may have been up to a year later. Why? Because the Bible says they're in a house, not a stable. In other words, baby Jesus is still in his crib. He's not out in the barn, though. (laughs) And this is where we get our tradition of the 12 days of Christmas. According to early church tradition, the wise men arrived on January 6th, 12 days after Christmas. That's where we get the 12 days of Christmas from. Aren't you learning a lot today? Isn't that cool? Regardless, right, of when they arrived, we know the wise men were thrilled. Verse 10 says, when they saw the star, they were, what's the word, church? overjoyed. Their joy was just flowing over, man. It's like when you see a newborn baby. And I'm coming to the house. They saw the child with his mother Mary, and what did they do? They bowed down and worshipped him. The wise men finally found the king they were looking for—a king in a cradle. Understand? Jesus didn't look like a king. His home didn't look like a castle. He commanded no armies. He would just spit up. He gave no royal decrees. He just kind of, you know, babbled like little kids do. They sound like Yoda. <laughs> The king couldn't even walk or talk. He's powerless. I mean, to the naked eye, King Jesus is nothing more than a peasant child born in straw poverty. The miracle of Christmas is that on Christmas, the Son of God emptied himself of the glory and power of heaven and stepped through the portals of time and the cosmos to come be with us, Emmanuel, God with us, God like one of us. But to the wise men, they were like, Christ, he's our our king. Jesus had more royalty in that crib than Herod had in his whole palace. Christ was greater in his, his humility than Herod in his hubris. And, and through the eyes of faith, these magi somehow saw into the future and they said, We're going to be the first to bow down and worship our king. Now, that word for bow down here, you know what it means? It actually means not just fall face down, but it means to shatter. To sh- they were shattered. And this is the shattering miracle of Christmas. Guys, that your God, the one who fashioned you in your mother's womb, your creator of the cosmos, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, stepped away from his throne, abdicated his glory and power to come on a rescue mission to earth for you. The magi were seekers of Christ and they found it in the face of baby Jesus. And so they worshiped. (laughs) They worshiped. And my friends, that's the fourth and final gift they gave Jesus on Christmas. We know gold, frankincense, myrrh, but the fourth gift was worship. (laughs) And so I'll be honest, I I thought we could just pause here maybe. Right in the middle of the Christmas message, enjoying the wise men in worship on Christmas Eve. In fact, our most natural response on Christmas should be to marvel and worship and awe the Prince of Peace. Now, whether that's falling to your knees or, or lifting your, your voices or your hands in praise, think about that. Your life, my life, forever changed because of the birth of Jesus Christ. So here's what I want to do. Let's stand to our feet. All of our campuses, if you're on church online, I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to encourage everybody to actually take out your phone. Everyone got a phone? You can take it out in church. You won't get struck by lightning, okay? Take out your phone and watch. Turn on the flashlight, okay? In fact, if you have the Liquid Mobile app on your phone, we put a digital candle on there for you to hold up. So you hold it up. What we want to see is a sea of stars at every campus, okay? Let's join the wise men on that holy night right now and give praise to Jesus for the birth of the
3: King. Oh, holy night The stars are brightly shining It is the night Of our dear Savior's birth
2: Isn't it good to worship God? It's Christmas Eve. We want to give God our best, our very best worship. Now, kids, this is the part of the story all the kids have been waiting for. How many kids, show of hands, you're excited to open your presents tomorrow? Okay, how many adults are like, me too, man. That's, <laughs> I'm excited to exchange gifts, right? Here's my question. Do you know where the idea of a gift exchange comes from? Again, if we look at our Bibles to Matthew 2, verse 11, it says this. Then the Magi, they opened their treasures and presented Jesus With gifts of, say it together, church, of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I got news for you kids. Giving gifts at Christmas didn't start with Santa Claus. Or elf on a shelf. (laughs) That tradition started right here with the Magi. It says they opened their treasures. And what we've been learning is they gave three very prophetic gifts. In other words, each one symbolizes. It represents something important about what this baby came to do. You guys remember? The first gift was, what was it, church? It was gold, which represents royalty, right? Wealth and power fit for a king. And the gold was the wise man's way of declaring for everybody, Jesus is my king. How many of you, he's your king? He's our king. He's the king of Christmas. The second gift was frankincense. Now, frankincense was a very sweet-smelling incense used by the priests uh, in temple worship, and when they burned that incense, the smoke would rise up to heaven to symbolize the prayers of people going up to God, and so frankincense was the wise man's way of saying, you know what? Jesus isn't just my king. Jesus is my high priest. He intercedes for me before God. The last gift, myrrh, of course, as you know, was the strangest gift of all, and myrrh is a burial spice for a dead body, and you're like, well, why did they give that? When somebody died in the ancient world, they used myrrh to embalm the body, to anoint it for burial. In fact, John 19 says when Jesus died, they took his body down from the cross and they packed it with 75 pounds of myrrh and aloes. So in an amazing way, this gift of myrrh foreshadows Jesus' suffering on a cross as the sacrifice for my sins, for your sins, and the sins of the whole world. Myrrh was the Magi's way of saying Jesus Is my sacrifice. Think of it. 33 years after his humble birth in a cradle, Jesus would die a humiliating death on a cross. And guys, this is the true meaning of Christmas. The purpose of the birth of Jesus was the death of Jesus as a sacrifice for our sins. The meaning of Christ's incarnation in a cradle was his atonement on a cross. He came to clear away all the damage that sin does to our relationship with God. And on the cross, Jesus actually did the original gift exchange. He took our sin. He says, I'm going to change your sin for my righteousness. And if you make that trade, you're going to receive the gift of eternal life, the hope of a home in heaven with God forever. It is the greatest gift anybody could ever receive. So understand, the Magi's gifts point to who Christ is. Jesus is my king, Jesus is my priest, and Jesus is my sacrifice. They point to who he is and why he came. I want you to think about what that means for you. It means no matter where you've been. It means no matter what you've done. It means no matter what you're going through right now. King Jesus has come, God in the flesh for you his son has invaded our world. Emmanuel means God with us, which means even in the hardest of times, we can still worship. You know, that's what my dear friend Cindy Latch learned. Cindy is a uh, longtime member of Liquid. She's been here for years, and she always had dreamed of having a baby of her own, but there was just one challenge. Uh, She never married, and she felt like God's dream for her life was kind of slipping away. And you know what? That could have caused a lot of heartache and disillusionment with God. But instead, what Cindy did is she trusted King Jesus. And God performed a miracle. Let's listen to her Christmas testimony.
0: Ever since I can remember, I have absolutely loved kids. And as I got into my 20s, late 20s, most of my friends started getting married and having families. And I had a great career, fulfilling life, but I started feeling restless and like something was missing. And I thought, Lord, you put the desire in my heart for children. It's sad and hard to not have what I thought for years and then waited for for years, and that wasn't going to happen. So I came to church one morning and I remember Pastor Tim talking about God looking for willing hearts and wanting to use us. And if we If we say that, you know, let him use us, that God will use us. The message I took away too was that be prepared because it's gonna be a bumpy ride. So I decided to pursue fostering and two and a half months after I was licensed, I got a call that there was a child who needed a place. And a few hours later, two ladies rang my doorbell with this little two-year-old blonde kiddo Um, I had had Viv for a year and it was getting close to the time where she was going to go back to her family. And I was crying this one night and, and I heard God speak to me. It was such a clear, crisp, quick message in my head that I know it was from him. And he said, she is my child and she's in my hands, whether she's in your arms or someone else's. I had no idea, but I would cling to that message many times during the next um, year and a half in many different ways. So the reunification didn't work out and the child services reached out to me knowing that I had had her for a year and asked if she could come back, which of course I said yes. And a year and a half after the reunification failed, in the middle of a global pandemic, I adopted Viv. So That was nothing the way I had hoped and dreamed that would look either, but That wasn't the point. The point was she was home and she had been home since the day she came to my house. I just didn't know it yet. I didn't have kids the way I thought I would have kids. I didn't get married the way I thought I would get married. I didn't even have an adoption way. I thought that would work out. I would just say not to get discouraged. If you are feeling a nudge or a stirring inside, Pay attention to it because there's something God is is doing or wants to do in your life and it might not be comfortable and it might not look the way you imagined that it would. Just cling to things that God has done for you in the past or you've seen him, where you've seen him move in the past, you're not forgotten. He, he hasn't forgotten you. He's not leaving you.
2: Can we thank Cindy for sharing her story? Incredible. Guys, That's what a that's what a wise woman looks like. Think about that. Even in the midst of her hardship, life did not go the way she planned. Cindy worshiped. She trusted Jesus was writing and authoring her story. She trusted God for a miracle. It's incredible to me how God works. I have to tell you, though, there's another layer to Cindy's story. In the midst of her back and forth, um, Cindy had with her adopted daughter, Viv, she took in another little girl who she's still fostering today. So right now, Cindy is a mom to two precious girls, ages six and seven. She's living out her purpose And God continues to bless her faith in Christ. Guys, I tell you that because this Christmas, I just realized we're all at different places in our journey to know God and trust Jesus. Some of you may be our longtime believers, but some of you may be returning to church after being away for a while or or just exploring faith for the first time. Wherever you are at, I just want to encourage you with this thought. Cindy wasn't alone, and you are not alone. If the wise men can find Jesus, so can you. The Bible says if you search for God with all your heart, you'll find him because he wants to be found. So it doesn't matter if you feel distant from God tonight or if you're, you're searching for God. He will leave hints and clues because God wants to be found. You know, for the wise men, God sent a star <laughs> to guide them to Jesus. My guess is you follow GPS to get here today. Or maybe a friend or a family member invited you, but maybe you sense in your spirit that today's different. I mean, it's Christmas Eve. And maybe your heart is open. And you never knew the real meaning of Christmas. That God sent his one and only son on a rescue mission to find you. (laughs) And your heart is open to this idea that maybe, just maybe, Jesus is the king you've been looking for. He's come on a rescue mission from heaven, has a plan for your life. And you may not understand everything right now. I understand you still have questions. Listen, the wise men didn't understand everything. But on Christmas, they found the one they were looking for and they believed So can I encourage you to do what the wise men did? Believe that Jesus is your king. Believe that Jesus is your priest. He stands before and can present you to God faultless with covered in his righteousness. Believe that Jesus is the sacrifice for your sin. That's how you become a Christian. That's how you become born again or adopted into God's family. According to the Bible, it's just simple faith in Christ. If the wise men can find him, let me just tell you, so can you. And when you find him, let me encourage you to do what the Magi did. Offer Christ your best gift at Christmas. I mean, they gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What was most valuable to them. But you know what's most valuable to God? Your heart. God doesn't want your money. (laughs) He's after your heart. He wants your worship. Jesus wants to sit on the throne of your heart this Christmas. It is the greatest gift you could offer God tonight. Think about this. Tomorrow morning, we're going to exchange gifts, but on Christmas, God the Father gave God the Son as a free gift to you. You know, John 3, 16 says this, for God so loved the world. He was in love with the world that he what? Gave. That's how we we become givers. He gave his one and only Son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but receive the gift of what? Of eternal life. Can I ask, have you received the gift of eternal life? Remember what we're here. The birth of Jesus points to the death of Jesus. And on the cross, he made that gift exchange, taking our sin on himself and gave eternal life as a free gift to us. The cross is simply God's way of stretching out his arms and saying, I love you this much. I'd rather die than live without you. That's why he gave Jesus at Christmas, to show you his love and fill you with the hope of heaven, eternal life with Christ forever. God is making you a promise this Christmas. Whoever, you, you, man, woman, child, child, Whoever believes in Jesus shall not perish but have eternal life. Can I ask, do you believe that? Say amen if you believe it. Millions of people down through the ages have worshiped this king. Thousands of people in this church around the world have put their faith in Christ. And tonight, I want to invite you to join them. I want to invite you to be a wise man or a wise woman and make Jesus Christ king of your life. And so that's what I'm gonna give you a chance to do right now. So let's bow our heads for prayer. All our campuses, would you bow your heads with me? Father, I pray right now For the Holy Spirit to be present, we know you're here, and we ask that you would just touch, Holy Spirit, the hearts of men and women today on Christmas Eve with your love and with your truth. Lord, some of them I just know have traveled so far. Even now, they're they're feeling drawn to you, strangely warmed in a fresh way. So, Holy Spirit, give them the courage to put their faith in Christ right now. Again, if you're here today and you realize, man, I need to give my full heart to this Christ, I want to pray for you. Those who maybe want to receive Jesus in your heart for the first time or you want to recommit your your heart. Offer it to God afresh. I want to lead you right now in a simple salvation prayer. If you want eternal life, that promise of your sins forgiven, the hope of heaven when you die, we're going to pray this together out loud, and you just pray it out loud after me, all right? In fact, let's just all pray it together so no one feels left out. All right, say it with me. Say, dear Jesus, it's Christmas, and today I believe. I believe you were born, and I want to be born again. Thank you for loving me, for dying on a cross, for my sins. I turn from them now and put my faith in your resurrection. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Today on Christmas, I make you my King of kings and Lord of lords. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. Can we hear it for new believers on Christmas Eve?
0: Thank you for joining us today. If you want to check out Liquid Church for a weekend service, small group, outreach, or clean water trip, you can find out more about us online at liquidchurch.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, go ahead and subscribe or share it with your friends. Thanks again for listening.